Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. All righty, it is 821 here on this Wednesday, Wacky Wacky Wednesday. Very busy. We got a busy counterpoint, so let's get to it. We got John Mraz, former liberal war room director with several dozen elections worth of experience. Hey ho! Did you rewrite your title there? <laughs> like, no, no, somebody did for me, but but that's I'm, it's terrific. It's true. I'm happy to be out. Bill Hutchison, former broadcaster, longtime journalist, and professor over at Seneca. Hello. Hey there. All right. Did uh, you guys catch the tense testimony? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, uh, for those of you who did not catch it, uh, but said no line was crossed. Uh, Jody Wilson-Raybould may not have understood her job. Um, and there was nothing to see here. Uh, look, I think if you don't really know the issue and you're just watching on the surface today um, of what Mr. Butts said, I think he was believable. Um, but again, we're talking about the unbelievable. And uh, let's play the clip of um, five, clip five Butts. Here's what he said again about that. Uh, and this would never have happened. If Minister Bryson had not resigned, Minister Wilson-Raybould would still be Minister of Justice today. That is a fact. And facts are very stubborn things. The Prime Minister would have just a handful of days to factor in all of these complex considerations. And I can say to you with absolute certainty that SNC-Lavalin was not one of them. Mm. Okay. The facts do matter. The problem is um, it's only the facts of the side against Jody Wilson-Raybould that seem to be believed. I mean, does did Jerry Butts do what needed to happen today, John? Everybody I've spoken to uh, who's outside of this bubble believes that he was very credible. And I'm starting to hear commentary uh, around the former attorney general's uh, uh, testimony, which people also said was very credible. And they noted one thing, that she spoke about herself and her own decisions. Mr. Butts very cleverly today spoke about collective interests, good government, proper procedure, protocols, following the law, what's good for Canada, jobs. Mm-hmm. Very clever. Right. Why did he I say thought, that four weeks ago? I and thought, why did he resign? I thought the most interesting thing that he said today was that Justin made a decision that he pushed back on, and Justin stood by his decision despite advice by Jerry to him, which I found an interesting conceit because last time I checked, I believed a year ago that Jerry Butts was actually the prime minister. I'm pretty sure he's, well, kind of still is. Um, but again, to, to suggest, Bill, that the guy that's running the, the prime minister's office didn't know about these meetings, didn't know that she was being pressured. And I mean, why didn't she just come to him and talk to him? That's where his credibility falls apart. He kept saying, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember. He had a lot of gaps in what he was talking about. People who, who don't know him might think it, you know, it's very credible, but this is supposed to be a very, very smart guy who's got his fingers in every pie, and he didn't know that she had made her decision until he heard her testimony last week. Come on. Mm. Are you kidding me? Everybody would have... She told the prime minister, and tell me that he did not discuss this with the prime minister at any point before uh, he heard the testimony last week. That's un, that's not uh, believable on my uh, in my book. Uh, and it is thing, it's for the prime minister to have had a phone call with Jody Wilson-Raybould, and he doesn't know what was discussed. is is not It's not even possible. It's not believable. Well, it's not and, possible. And, and he doubled down on everything. You know, it was all about jobs. It was all about, uh, you know, she didn't understand the job. That was actually new today. She didn't really understand her job. We were trying to give her advice because she really didn't. To me, that was really sexist. 
that was the you know the the patriarchy talking to uh, talking down to this woman who was the attorney general. You don't really understand the legislation here. So we're going to bring in some, we'll get a, a Supreme Court justice, and if that isn't pressure, we're going to bring a Supreme Court justice in to advise you because you obviously don't understand this. Right. And so I think the one thing that made my jaw drop is again going back to the old Kokanee Gropa. You know, now we know who wrote those Kokanee Gropa talking points. It was Gerald Butts, and here's what he said. You know, as to why maybe they saw things differently. I am fully aware that two people can experience the same event differently. I believe that the minister shared my interpretation of our dinner, and I only quote these messages so you can appreciate why I was so surprised to hear months later that the minister experienced that dinner as pressure. I do not see how our brief discussion of that file constituted pressure of any kind. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, uh, look, again, she was supposed to go to them, and we're, again... The finance minister had a meeting with her where she said, do not pressure me anymore. People knew that they were not to bother her anymore after she made that decision. How does Mr. Butts not know from the finance minister's office that the the attorney general has come to them and said, stop bothering me about a decision on SNC that, according to her testimony, was done for political gain? It's an unfortunate thing to say right after R. Kelly's testimony. What does that have to do with this? Uh, Well... What is that? Everybody, that has zero has, to, okay. everybody has two versions of events. Well, now you're being butts and trying to muddy the water. Well, I was trying to tell a bad joke, probably. You know, <laughs> we liberals do that. Well, you did it badly. Yes. Yeah. Well, th- thank you. Thank you. Anyway, duly chastised. There seems to be a lot of that for liberals lately. Look, um, I thought a couple of interesting things uh, about all of this. Uh it is, uh, it is a fact that I have described events uh, that I believe to have happened the way I have to people, and they say that's not how it happened. Good friends of mine, it is a fact that people look at things differently. But there's enough of a paper trail here. There's enough evidence, hard evidence, material evidence, that it's a difficult conceit. And there's enough consistent messaging, mm. right, from uh, not just Jerry and, and Justin, but from lobbyists, where all of the messaging was consistent, where it was... Pressure on her for months. Should she have reported that or perhaps resigned immediately on that basis? Yes. And that was asked. No, no, she should not have resigned. Maybe there are people that say, like, if she felt so passionately about this, that she should have resigned. No, she's the attorney general. She's standing up for law. She's standing up for on on a point of principle. She is doing the right thing, and she's she's resisting the pressure. She should not cave to the pressure and walk away and let let them steamroll somebody else in there. There is another message that really disturbs me today, and, and you haven't talked, but I want to go there a little bit if I can, is that part of what was reported today was that she was offered Aboriginal Affairs, and she refused to yep. take on the file because she said she could not administrate the Indian Affairs Act, as right. it was named back then when it was passed. It seems to me that the subtext there is that she didn't want to take on the rights of her own people and as such is not credible as an Aboriginal right, but, activist. But that's a red leader. herring. You know why? Because it, the Scott Bryson stuff has zero to do with it. There needed to be no cabinet shuffle of Jody Wilson-Raybould because she was doing her job. It had nothing to do with Scott Bryson leaving, albeit well, there's a bigger story at play there. But again, she could have been left exactly where she was because she was doing her job. And if they respected the job of the AG and she had said no, then nothing to see here, move on. Like- Except that they kept telling her, you're not, you don't, you're not doing your job. You don't understand. You don't understand. We brought in this legislation to help SNC-Lavalin. Use it to help SNC-Lavalin. You don't understand. You don't understand your job. And that whole business about uh, protecting 9,000 jobs, uh, Pierre Poilier brought, it, brought up the point today that in 2015, they allowed them to continue bidding on federal contracts, even though they were... 
supposedly barred at that time. So under the uh, public interest uh, uh, jurisdiction, they, they could have said, uh, even though you're convicted of this uh, this bribery case, mm-hmm. you we will still let you. They can they could change that. They could allow them. So there wouldn't be any jobs lost. And the head office was not going to shut down because, as we found out today, uh, they had a deal with Case de Depot to, to keep the, the head office in Montreal until 2024. Mm-hmm. So all of the, the claims that the liberals were making that it's all about jobs, protecting jobs, are not true. Well, it can't be because it would have been their talking point four weeks ago and we'd be moved on from the story by right. now. Um, I want to play the exchange, though, of, of while Jerry Butts, I think, moved the ball forward, uh, I think I think Mike Warnick, who is completely unhinged as the Privy Council, I think he completely undid what was uh, supposed to be done today. But here was his comments just kind of starting it off. The kind of traffic that I have received on social media, and I would like to present these to the committee. If somebody could please transmit them to the clerk. And I would ask what is the, the committee, relevance, point of order, what is the relevance of social media to what we're doing, the terms of reference if I could explain, whether a line was crossed? If I could share? explain. Yeah, of course, of course, Mr. Wernick. Go ahead. I'm, stop time. Go, go. I believe that you will want to discuss this as the intimidation of a witness before your committee. He is accused by Jody Wilson-Raybould of pressuring him at least three times, including a phone call at her home. And i got to be honest, after the performance of him I saw today... Uh, if that's the way he is, because he's prickly, man, he is he is not a nice guy, then, uh, yeah, he was over the line. Well, but he's he's saying, I'm intimidated by social media. Meantime, 11 meetings <laughs> with the attorney general is not intimidating, is not pressure. And you saw his, his, his testimony today. He, he treated a lot of those questions with contempt. Disdain. He was condescending to them. He said, how dare you question me? You know, uh, I just, uh, his whole manner is, is pressure and intimidating. It is a, a fact of the matter. I noticed that when I, when I was working at Queen's Park, the deputy ministers who often survive two or three governments, partisan switches, are often the most powerful and sometimes dependable and decent people in a government. They're not elected. And when they come under fire and duress, unlike politicians who are elected and expected, they are horrified by how tough it is. Yeah. So his feelings were hurt. He's oh, used boom, to be boom, intimidating boom. people in private. What he's not used to doing is Being taking account. accountable, <laughs> accountability for his decisions in the limelight. Well, welcome to the world of power, my friend. Yeah. All right. We got to take a break because we are late. We'll pick up uh, the conversation because there is a lot of stuff going on uh, after this here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got John Mraz here and Bill Hutchison. Uh, quickly, just before I move on, um, Trudeau is going to speak tomorrow. What does he have to say to move this story off the uh, front pages, John? Or can he? <laughs> Other than that. We just started building the first meter of pipeline to Tidewater out of Alberta, and I cut a deal with all of the necessary indigenous bands along the way. Nothing to see here. And I balanced the budget. Well, <laughs> that's I know me. I think, I think that marijuana, but is everybody smoking it tonight? Oh, my God. That's never going to happen. Uh, uh, you can't get any. The government's uh, in charge. Uh, let me just... Uh, jobs, I, I, jobs, jobs. Jobs, jobs, jobs. How about I resign? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. But that could be on by Friday. Who knows? Hey, <laughs> neither is he building a, a, a pipeline. No, but but, but if he said that, he'd get... Uh, a, yeah, balancing the budget. So why not? <laughs> 
Let's talk about the other story that uh, broke late tonight. Ron Tavner uh, has withdrawn his name from consideration as the uh, head of the OPP, and um, this this is a this has been a political nightmare for for Doug Ford um, because it's just been kind of nagging at him. But uh, Tavner felt that it had become too much of a distraction and was hurting the morale on the front lines. Does this make the story go away, Bill? I think it. No, I don't think it does because I think that the opposition have a, a bone that they're they're working on right now and they're not going to let let go of it. They're going to keep going at it. Uh, it's a shame because I think Ron Tavener was an excellent uh, police officer uh, and I think he would have made a good OPP commissioner. Unfortunately, it was a very bad choice on Ford's part because of his personal relationship with Tavener. And I think this is not going to go away uh, that quickly. No, but he does have the right to appoint people. So Doug Ford, again, will have the chance to appoint someone for the OPP. And is he going to get the same blowback again? I, I don't know. But along the way, he managed to uh, get rid of, uh, you know, the, the deputy the deputy chief of, uh, of the province, uh, somebody Blair. who Blair. Uh, opposed him. I've always suspected that what Doug Ford really wants in the head of the OPP is somebody who's going to dig into some of the files that were not investigated during the liberal era. Uh, this is what I'd say about Mr. First of all, he's still a good police officer. Uh, and I think he also just taught Doug Ford something. Ooh, because Ron I, Tavner? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I think, and uh, I, I think he just taught Doug Ford something. He taught him something about politics. Uh, Tavner had to go. Yeah. And it was, you know, even if he wanted the job, even if he merited the job, he may have, he may, I don't know. Uh, even if he, he, he really, he had some ideas about what to look into. He, he showed Doug there's a point of no return. As of the opposition staying on that file, uh, if they want to remain ineffectual, they should, because they're talking about, uh, uh, you know, an, an honored old cop uh, who had the decency and the, and the smart sense to recuse himself. If you're the opposition in Ontario, only two files matter. Education, healthcare, both of them need attention. If you're listening out there, you and the NDP, get on it and let this go. Yeah. Well, uh, look, this comes on the same day because uh, Julian Falconer is the lawyer for um, for the interim commissioner, Brad Blair. Um, and, and you know, it comes to the question, you know, do you believe uh, that he was a bit over the top when he said the conflicts of interest that abound in this case are mind boggling? And here here is his his comment, because he's trying to say that this is an abuse of power in 2019. Take a listen. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know what abuse of power looks like in 2019, the firing of Brad Blair is precisely a walking poster child for abuse of power. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I'm not buying that. But anyway. does he know? Does he know what's going on in Ottawa? <laughs> well, well, that's Come what they're on. trying to compare to. But again, um, this guy may have been right, but he overplayed his hand because here he is leaking stuff and you're suing the the. Yeah, he gets the fired for leaking stuff. He may have a wrongful dismissal suit. I don't think this is the poster boy for abuse of power. I'm not sure. I think there were grounds. If he had just sued the premier for, I didn't for say this, he'd win it. I'm, I'm saying he may have grounds for a lawsuit there. Sure, but again, I think if he had just come out and filed the complaint and let it kind of play its course, that that he probably would have gotten a lot more mileage. Uh, but again, I think he overplayed his hand on this, John. Ladies and gentlemen, are you mocking taking my voice? yourself that seriously? <laughs> oh. <laughs> In an issue like this and providing drama with Darth Vader's voice will get you absolutely nowhere. No, I think this is... Uh, but uh, is he right? You've been in politics a long time. Is Falcon right? There's an issue here and there's conflict of interest here and it's difficult. And if you're, the government is, rightly or wrongly, the one who appoints the judiciary that oversees that government, and maybe we should talk about laws 
where there's a better balance of power and appointment, et cetera, and third-party oversight. You could talk about that. Uh, but it is a fact of the matter that whether you're talking about Ottawa or Queen's Park, we're talking about judiciaries, judges, cops, lawyers, who, uh, you know, they're there to protect the law, not uh, to enforce the law, not just on citizens, but on governments. And it's impossible to not have a conflict of interest when the government gives you your job. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, that, look, this is going to be sticking around. Uh, it's not going to go away. Um, interestingly, on the on the day that Jerry Butts uh, steals the spotlight today, I'm not sure why Andrew Shear told <laughs> decided today to do it, but he did come out and offered up a, a, a tax break um, on home heating and uh, taking the GST off of this. Um, let me play the clip of him just uh, as he as he sets his campaign promise up. Heating your home in Canada and other home energy costs are not luxuries. And just as other luxuries are not charged uh, GST, Conservative government will remove the GST from home heating and energy costs. It is something that you definitely need, but if we're going to get rid of the GST there, why, why stop there? <laughs> First of all, I've already forgotten what he just said. Second of all, who is running his war room? I mean, I've run a few and I don't know who you are, how old you are, or how oblivious you are to basic tactics. Stay on the story. Why would you change the story for Justin Trudeau? Miss Rate, who I think has been extraordinary know, on the Trudeau-SNC-Lavalin file. Uh, hey, Mr. Shear, if you happen to fall down the stairs, I suspect Miss Rate <laughs> will take over because she's on the ball. She was, she was fantastic Look for today. her fingerprints on his back? Is that what you're suggesting? Well, you know, hey, uh, but again, look, he, he, he can either stand back and let the SNC happen, but he also... <laughs> I'm just going to pretend I didn't hear that. Um, the, <laughs> the um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, but again, he has to look like he's doing something. He has to look. He's trying to get himself out there, but that was this, that was really Why? Why does he have to dumb. look like he's doing something? I, Why doesn't he do something? Well, what are you going to do? He's not running the country. <laughs> you worked in Ottawa. You know how it <laughs> you works. You know how it is. You've I seen mean, the government for the last three and a half years. You'd have to look like you're doing something. Li- the Liberals announced anything. a pharmacare that hasn't happened yet. They announced that there's going to be an announcement on it. I mean, that was effective. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, it was, it was a dumb time to, to make that announcement. It it's time. not a big deal. Uh, I don't know why he did it today. It just—it's silly. Let's keep the attention on SNC Lavalin because that's the the Achilles heel for the for the government. It is indeed. All right, go, go conservative war room. Go go go. Four <laughs> more years, Trudeau. <laughs> yeah, please. All right, guys, I got to leave it there, but I thank you, John Raz and Bill Hutchison, uh, for joining me. I appreciate it. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.